So we're blessed today to have Joshua's parents here. Uh, we got Anita and Danny. So make sure and say hello to them. I'm super blessed. It's always a, a, you know, as a pastor and as a fellowship, it's always so neat when they, people that attend here for a year and then they invite their parents to come. What a blessing that is to us. And so now we're going to also be blessed not only by their being here, but also by a message. Let's, let's pray for him real quick. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this blessing. I just pray for this message. I just pray that this would be from the Holy Spirit, Lord. I just ask that, Lord, our, our hearts and our ears and our minds, Lord, would just, the Holy Spirit would just open these things up for us, Lord, to receive your word, Lord, that it would speak to us, Lord, and whatever you would have for us, whatever application that would come forth, Lord, it would be something that we could take it and just use throughout our lives, Lord. If it's understanding more about you and the character of who you are, or maybe it's understanding more of who we are in you, or Lord, maybe it's just a word of encouragement. Whatever it would be, Lord, I just ask that you use this time and bless this time, Lord. And just fill this man with your Holy Spirit and use him in mighty ways to speak to us this afternoon. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Good evening. I'm Joshua's uh, father and my wife, Anita, she's not here, she's behind. And uh, we come from India, a place called uh, Coimbatore, which is in southern India. And uh, my full name is Daniel Solomon. And uh, unlike King Solomon, I only have one wife, and that's Anita at the back. Okay, and uh, it's it's a joy to be here. It's, it's really a joy to be here. Uh, you know, I go to churches, and the Spirit of God moves in my spirit, and sometimes I, I, I have tears in my eyes, and I, and I weep. And, and every time I've come, this is the second time I've come to the church, and I've had tears in my eyes. So the Spirit of God is very strong and moving in your lives, and you're blessed because, you're blessed because of that. Is my English alright? Am I going too fast? Uh, can everybody understand me? I know I speak in a strange uh, accent. Uh, all right. I just wanted to... Um, today evening, we're looking at John 1, 1 to 18. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open it up to John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Uh, the actual passage is from John 1, 1 to John chapter 2, verse 1. I'll explain why. That is the whole passage, because John is expanding uh, and running parallel to, the, to, to Genesis 1. You remember Genesis 1, Genesis 1 and 2, seven days of creation. The beginning, opening verse in Genesis starts with, in the beginning, correct? In John 1, you have the same thing, in the beginning. So John is writing something which is paralleling Genesis 1. And you can see that because he gives us seven days. Okay, I'll tell you the verses. Verse 29. So the first day is from John 1, 1 to verse 28. And then verse 29, he says, the next day. Yeah? Is it written there? Verse 29, the next day. Right? So that's day 2. Then you go to verse 35. He says, the next day. That is day 3. Then you go to uh, verse 43. He says, the next day. And that's day 4. And then you go to John chapter 2, verse 1. And it says, after three days. So four plus three is seven. So he's got some pattern in his mind. He wants to show something to you and me 2,000 years down the line and to people who are living 
around him during the time that he was alive something what was it that he was trying to 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 communicate very difficult to get into a writer's mind because a writer is the only person who understands what he has written okay so it's very difficult to understand john's mind but one thing that we can we we can uh, see in john uh, uh, chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 can we have that on the and i'll read the verse in the beginning was the word i'm reading for evs and that's on my notes i don't know what version is this so uh, please excuse me there's some mismatch in our communication uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him nothing that was made was made amazing words amazing this these three verses take us beyond time have you seen uh, i don't know how many have seen star wars any episode you know in a galaxy far far away okay this is beyond any galaxy this is beyond time so if i have time here you can put god anywhere on this side this is where time begins you can put god anywhere you like and this is where time ends okay so time begins and time ends you can put god anywhere he's not bound by time okay in the beginning was god it's amazing if you flip to genesis chapter 17 if you're good at your thing okay genesis genesis chapter 17 verse 1 this god reveals himself to abraham if you go and look at the hebrew it says el shaddai el shaddai the almighty one the complete one the one who is self sufficient he doesn't need anything else he is self contained okay this is the god we're talking about he doesn't need creation he doesn't need you and me he is self contained beyond time beyond space if you flip over to isaiah chapter 48 verse 12 uh god says to isaiah i am the first and i am the last he is the first and the last what is in between is what is being held together by him because everything was made through him and by him colossians okay Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 before he is before all things and i'm reading it and in him all things hold together so this is the god who's beyond time in the beginning at the end and whatever is in the middle is being held together that's you me this whole world this whole universe is being held together amazing he governs this universe this is the god we're talking about think about it in 1 timothy chapter 6 verse 15 and 16 there's a short description about this god he says this god is light he is surrounded by light so if you can just imagine a dark space or whatever space whether it's light on something there out there there's god who is light and he's just there he's immortal he does not die he's all powerful and in him everything that is between the beginning and the end 
exists and is held together and is created by him. I know a drug addict, all right? And he was on a park bench one evening at about 8 o'clock in the night and his mind was foggy with drugs because he was uh, mainlining and um, he didn't know whether God existed or not. This is in India. So he didn't know which God to pray, first of all. Second is whether the God existed or not, whether he was there or not. He didn't know. He, in his utter des- desperation, because he had been into rehabilitation many times, he went into a, a mental asylum where they tried shock therapy and all that kind of thing. It didn't work. Every time he came out, he came out as a drug addict and he remained as a drug addict on this park bench. He cried out and said, if you exist, if you exist, help me. That's all he said. And this, the amazing thing is that this God that we're thinking about, this God who's self-contained, he listened and he responded. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. I want to tell you today that in whatever situation you are in, whatever struggles you are having, whatever anybody is telling you, God is bigger than that. The God that you believe is much, much bigger than that. Much bigger. I've been in mission for now, what, 37 years? And, you know, I've seen things that, (laughs) and been in situations that are very, very hard. But God is bigger, and I can look back in hindsight and say that my God that I believe in is bigger then all that put together, not just one situation, but all of them, if you put them together, my God is bigger than that. I don't know whether you believe that. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. And the word was with God. And the word was God. God the Father and the word eternal existence. If you go into the Greek, some scholars here may know that. But the the, the Greek goes like this. It says proton theon, which means that... The Word and the Father were face-to-face. It's in a face-to-face relationship. It is in a face-to-face unity. It's in a face-to-face fellowship. It's not that the Father is here and the Son is doing something there. No, it's always face-to-face. Incredible. What is more incredible is that this relationship between Father and Son and Holy Spirit, this face-to-face fellowship, God wants to extend to you, to me, to this world. Ever thought about that? That is the fellowship. John, 1 John 1.3, which was from the beginning, has now come to dwell amongst us, and we have seen him, we have touched him, and we have heard him. Incredible. Jesus comes into this world to bring this gift along with him to draw you and me and whoever believes in him as the son of God, as the Messiah, as the, the, the lamb of God and believes in him. To them he has given not only everlasting life but he brings them this beautiful gift of fellowship with God, a relationship with God. It's one thing to have my sin forgiven at the cross. But it's another thing to be called into fellowship with this God that we were just talking about. It's incredible. So to this drug addict on that bench, God was extending not only healing, life, forgiveness of sin, but also his right hand of fellowship. And said, you know, was saying to him, come. Have fellowship with me. Verse 4. In him was life and the life was the light of men. 
In this verse, light and life, they they, they mean the same thing. Light and life in this verse mean the same thing. They point in the same direction. Light points in one direction and life points in in the same direction. What is the direction they are pointing to? They are pointing us to Christ. Life without God is darkness. I know many of you go into the mission fields and you see that, you know. Life without Jesus is life in darkness, isn't it? Yeah, it's in darkness. People don't understand it. They're in darkness. But this light and this life points to the source of all life and the source of all life that is Jesus Christ. The purpose of light is twofold. There are two purposes of light. The first one is to illuminate. Okay, that means to make me understand. Why should I need this illumination in my mind? Why should I need to understand? If I'm in darkness, why do I need to understand? Because the darkness has got nothing to do with the light. The darkness has got nothing to do with the light. And we'll, we'll look at that little, little deeper later on. Okay? The light also comes to judge the world. The light comes to judge the world, John 3, 19. Um, And I'll read it out. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. People living in the darkness do not understand the light. They do not understand God. They do not understand the gospel. They are incapable of understanding the gospel. They are incapable. You try and talk to somebody, they cannot understand what you are saying. They cannot. It's like hitting your head on a brick wall. They cannot understand what you are saying. I am coming back to this drug addict. In this foggy brain of his on the park bench. After that, there was a couple who took him into their home and said, you can stay here for two months in our home. Come and stay. And uh, one day in the evening, he was sitting in his room at about 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock in the night, and the power went off. I don't know whether you get power failure here, but in India you get power failure. It looks like, you know, it seems that there's a guy with a switch, and whenever he feels like that, he flips the switch and the power goes. Um, and, and the power went, and he heard with his ears an audible voice saying, if your life went out like this light, you're going to go to hell. That's all. Nothing else. It was as if there was a switch inside his life which turned and he started to think about where he was and who God was and, you know, the people helping him and why they were helping him. And there started a change started to happen in his life. Why did that happen? Because the light entered his fogged mind, his darkened mind, revealing to his darkened mind that Christ is the Savior, has the power. I've seen this in mission fields. I've gone and preached so many times. You can preach your guts out. You know, you can you, you can preach for three hours, four hours. Nobody comes until God reveals himself to them. Amen. So when you go out into your mission fields, I pray and I will pray when I go back home that, that God will reveal himself to them. That God will illuminate. That light will come into their foggy minds of darkness and they will see light. Otherwise, we, we won't see any fruit, brothers and sisters. Believe me. This drug addict that day believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, he is serving God. Praise God, isn't that? Amen. Okay. Praise. God changed him. Where medical science could not help him, God changed him. Amazing. 
this why how you ask the question how but you know we are dealing with a god who is massive the light verse 5 the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it you know god's plan of salvation from before the beginning of time darkness tried to stop it in the garden of eden in violence in religions around the world in philosophies everything raising its head up against the plan of god but the plan of god cannot be overcome the light as john says cannot be overcome by darkness it cannot you may feel that the darkness is becoming big but remember one thing the darkness can never overcome the light it has never and it will never forever and ever amen it will never how do i know this job chapter 42 verse 2 job says i know o god that nothing can thwart your plans that nothing can make your plans deviate nothing can make your plans change nothing can make your plans come and stop nothing this is job talking okay amazing so this god's plan of salvation to the whole world cannot be stopped it cannot be stopped in my country there is so much of persecution it cannot be stopped it cannot be stopped because the light came into this world and the darkness has not and will not and has not and forever and ever will not be able to overcome that light which is the light of jesus christ i know another chap who was a a a born again christian okay this is we are talking about now born again christian right for some reason he, he became an alcoholic and he was sent into a rehabilitation center and there god worked again in his life and restored him back the darkness cannot overcome the light i want you to ch- uh, turn to Philippi- philippians chapter 1 verse 6 philippians chapter 1 verse 6 everybody got it philippians chapter 1 verse 6 It says he who started this good work in you will bring it to completion whatever the devil may throw against you whatever this world may throw against you whatever your corrupted mind may throw against you the work that he has started in your life he will bring it to completion and to those you love and to those you know he will bring it into completion into completion of what we will look at that later verses 6 to 8 There was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light have you ever thought why does light need a witness if this is a dark room and you you light a candle everybody in the room can see that's a candle right so why does light need a witness john was a witness to the light i'll try and explain it because those who are in darkness and i'm repeating myself here those who are in darkness cannot comprehend they cannot understand they cannot fathom they are not acquainted they are not familiar with the light so they need somebody like you and me to show them the light without that they cannot understand without that they cannot understand it needs you and me to go out to explain to them what god has done in my life in your life so that they might with the revelation of christ they might be able to see the light that's what the word of god says I'll read that again. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. 
In First Corinthians, and I'm just giving you the verses, the verses up there, the same thought pattern is there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, Job 24, 13 and to 17. We are called to be witnesses to the light, burning in the darkness, pointing to Christ, giving the reason, 1 Peter 15, giving the reason for the hope that we have. 1 Peter 15 says that, no? Be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. You have hope in your heart? Do you have hope? Church, do you have hope in your heart? What is that hope? That hope is one day when Christ will come, either we will be changed if we are living, our bodies will be changed, or if we are dead, we will be raised from the dead. Our bodies will be changed like the body into the body of Jesus Christ, and we will go and to be with our Lord. That is the hope I have. That is the hope I have. And 1 Peter, Peter is saying in 1 Peter 3.15, be ready to give the reason for the hope that you have. And that's why when we go and witness, we have to be ready to give the reason for the hope that we have. And we have to go out because if we don't go out, those in the darkness will never be able to understand the light. They will never be able to enter into the kingdom of God. And that is why you and me are in the mission field. You and me are in the mission field. We are light bearers, not sword bearers like the word of God, but we are light bearers. There's a light inside you and me. Today evening, pastor said something. He said, uh, you're beautiful. And then he said, it's the spirit, the Holy Spirit, which which is within you that is making you glow. You're the light bearers because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. This God that is there from everlasting to everlasting, this God who doesn't need you and me to exist or anything to exist, who holds everything together, is not only come to give his fellowship, but he's come to give his Holy Spirit into your life and my life. I find the two biggest problems, at least in my country, uh, amongst Christians. There are two big problems that we as believers have. The first one is fear. I am afraid to go and talk to somebody in the airport. If somebody is sitting next to me, I am afraid to go and talk. Or if I am at on, on a walking on the street and in, in a shop or something, I am afraid to go and tell them about Jesus Christ. I am. The second thing is shame. I feel ashamed sometimes. when, Especially when there are big people, rich people, well-to-do people, very highly intellectual people who have done well in life. You know, I feel ashamed to go and say, they ask me, who are you, what do you do? And you know, I feel ashamed. I feel ashamed. And in India, I find that these are the two things that have undermined my witness and the witness of people in India to witness to the light. And we as Indian believers need to work on that. I don't know how it is here. Whether you can relate to that or not, I don't know. But I can. I'm afraid of the darkness. I'm afraid of the oppression. I'm afraid of what that chap may say to me. And I have to build into my life once again. I have to, to remember once again that he who is within me is greater than he who is in the world. The light dwells in me. I am a light bearer and therefore the kingdom of God is with me. This God is not against me. This God is with me. This God is with you when you go out. This God that we are talking about is with you. He is not against you. That's some encouragement. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Suddenly this God whose spirit 
who nobody can see, suddenly people can see him. This God has a face now. This God has a body. We celebrated Christmas, remembering that this God came in to this world in a body. A similar body like you and me. I sometimes think, you know, I said, you know, if God, he came in in, in the form of fully man and fully God in a human body, in human form, and we coined the word incarnation. Suppose he had chosen to come in some other form, then we would have to give some other name, some other word. But he chose to come in the same flesh. The Greek word is sarx, which is flesh. The Hebrew is basar. It is the same, the flesh, like you and me. There is a reason why. There is a reason why. When we were created in the Garden of Eden, we were made in the image of God. We were, a, we were distinct from the rest of creation because the rest of creation was not made in the image of God. Man and woman was made in the image of God. But when Christ comes in the image of, in, in the flesh of you and me, we become special now. We become special. How do we become special? Think about it. Because coming in the flesh, coming in the body, he can have now a fellowship between you and me. He can understand you and me. He can feel what you and I feel as people in bodies. Am I clear? Am I getting across? And that is why when Christ comes in his incarnation, fully God and fully man, he raises this, this, this image into making it special. It is no longer a creation. It is no longer a creation. And we'll see that later on. It is no longer a creation, but now those who believe in Christ are the sons, John 1.12, sons and daughters of God. It is elevated. You're no longer a creation. You are elevated. You are now, if you believe in Christ, you are the sons and daughters of the of this God that we've been talking about. And this has a lot of ramifications. It has a lot of ramifications when we go out into the mission field. If when we're when we're when we're dealing with uh, 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 drug trafficking, when we're doing it human trafficking, when we're dealing with. Uh, <clears throat> different forms of slavery that are still there, it, it, it brings things into different perspective, doesn't it? Because now, those people, these people, these categories of people that I have just said, now can be elevated from being just creation to sons and daughters of God. And that is what message, part of the message that you bring to those in darkness. Amazing. It's not that, okay, now you'll be all right. And I'll pray for you. No. Now you are alright. And you have been restored into a fellowship with this living God. And you have been called as a son or a daughter of this living God. You have been elevated. So we have been elevated. The other reason why he came as a human being. Because have you. I used to have dogs before Basset Hounds. And it's very, very difficult for me to have a fellowship with my dog. Okay, because he doesn't understand me. He, I may pet him, he may lick me, but I, you know, it's very difficult for me to have a fellowship with my dog. Jesus came as human flesh, fully God and fully man, so that he could have this fellowship with you and me. Think about it. Think about it. It's an amazing thought. 
verses 12 and 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but by God. No, sorry, the verse, not born of natural descent or human will, nor a husband's decision, but born of God. The new revised standard version quotes John 3.3 like this. He said, you know, in your versions it will say, be unless a man is born again. In the RSV, NRSV version he says, unless you are born from above. If you are born from above, when you give your life to Christ and you repent from your sin and you believe that he died on the cross for you and when you believe that he was he died and was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead because of the power of God of the holy spirit and if when you believe that he has been glorified after that he is back as god when you believe then God pours out his spirit and seals you with his spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. We have been sealed by the spirit of God. The spirit of God now dwells in us. What does this mean? What does it mean to have the spirit of God dwelling in me? Does it mean that I have to have the fruit of the spirit? Does it mean to be, it mean that I have to have the gifts of the spirit? Does it mean that I have to walk in the spirit? What does it mean? When God's spirit indwells in me, comes and lives within me, his spirit and my spirit have fellowship together. In this fellowship, I am also having fellowship with Jesus and the Father. That is an incredible thing. Without the Holy Spirit, it is impossible to have a relationship, fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. It is impossible. I'll explain to you. Okay? And this is where I will deviate a little bit. Uh, because I felt the Holy Spirit telling me two days back that I needed to bring this out. In the Old Testament, the Israelites were God's people. Correct? He was their God and they were his people. There was no fellowship there. There was no fellowship. Okay? In the, and you can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 6 to 12, Exodus 32, 13. It was based, this was based on the God's covenant to his people. In Exodus 32, 13, God says to his, he promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob that you will be my people and I will be your God. It is based on a covenant. In the New Testament, it is also based on a covenant. Jesus says in, in Luke 22, 20, he says, this is a new covenant with God and his people. This is a new covenant, Jesus says. This is a new covenant made in my blood. A new covenant of what? That you will be my people. We just read in verse 12 that you will be sons and daughters. You will be my sons and daughters, not my people. You will be my sons and daughters and I will be your God. It is. It rests in the covenant, the new covenant. The Holy Spirit because he's in you and because he is in you and in you and me it is only in the new testament that we get the greek word kononia 
You don't find it in the Old Testament. You only find it in the New Testament. When the church is being built, when the when when the church is growing, you find this word coming up: kononia, kononia. The the fellowship, the 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 unity, the 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 fellowship. It is it it is because of the Holy Spirit. It is because of the Holy Spirit in you today and in in me and in the pastor. That pastor even invited me here. Vital fellowship needs two things. It needs harmony, harmony and unity, unity and harmony, and it needs purpose. Unity and harmony. I will give you an example of unity and harmony. You all all experience this wonderful singing of the worship team, yeah? Guitar, drum, keyboard, bass, guitar, and they're all playing. So if you're a musician, you can understand if they start in the chord C, everybody's playing in C, correct? That is unity. What is harmony? Harmony is that the bass guitar doesn't start playing louder and drowns everybody else. The keyboard fellow doesn't start playing louder so that you can only hear the keyboard. Harmony is playing together in, so that the, 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 the total music that is coming out is beautiful. That is harmony. So they may be in unity and some bands are not in harmony. Okay, They are in unity and they are in harmony. And as a church, we are to be in unity and harmony. Very important. Harmony is very important. To encourage one another. Not to dominate. Not to push down. But to encourage. To, to, to pray. To yearn. To, to, to struggle and battle in prayer for the, for the other brother and sister. In harmony and in unity. Unity because we all believe in Christ. We all believe in, in the gospel. That brings us, gives us the unity. Harmony so that we can see others, uh, 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 becoming, uh, more into the likeness of, of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's harmony. The purpose. And often in the mission field and in churches we lose this. Even as Christians, as a Christian, I lose it. The purpose is to obey and follow Christ, period. Our purpose is to obey and follow Christ, period. And often in the mission field, I've been there, and I know I get so involved with the with Run 88, a program reaching Muslims in northern India, and this program and that program, you know, I forget following Christ. And as a church, we can get together and we can have fellowship meal, and we can go on a fellowship par- a picnic, and we can do this and all, but... We do not follow Christ. And that is the heart. That is the heart. Because if you don't follow Christ, then what are you following? So it's a call today evening to follow Christ in unity, in harmony. What fellowship achieves, there are three things that it achieves. It it achieves witness to the world and to one another, Matthew 6.16. It witnesses to the powers and principalities up that you cannot see. Fellowship Witnesses to those outside the church, fellowship in unity and harmony, witnesses to the powers and principalities that you can't see. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Go back and read it, meditate on it. So it's a two-way. It is it, it is the spiritual world that we as a church is witnessing, that we belong to God. We are God's family. We are his children. Okay? You're declaring. And you're declaring this way. Okay, so it's a vertical and a horizontal. And the third thing, this 
is very important. Galatians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul says that I travail. The word travail is he's in agony. He's praying in agony for Christ to be formed in the people of that church. Do we do that? Uh, Am I and you? Are we really struggling and praying to see Christ being formed in our brother and our sister? We usually, <laughs> when we see people changed, you know, we, we say, oh, what a change it is. And we glorify God and we say, thank you, Lord, for changing his life. Thank you for God for bringing such a change. Such a, He was such a guy. He was such a, a guy. But now he's like this and we thank you, God. But we we lose. We have lost What is happening there? What is happening there is not a change. It is Christ being formed. Look around. Look around you. I encourage you. Look around. And look around to the people around you. Christ is being formed. And as Christ is formed, the change will come. Verse 29. I've gone out of this now. Out of the passage. Uh, Verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John now focuses on the cross. He's focusing on the past. This God there, 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 there. Now he's focusing on the cross. Behold the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. Today evening, if you do not know Christ, Jesus is there to take away your sin. If you only have to do, the only thing that you have to do is believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you, for your sin. Believe because he's the lamb of God that was crucified on the cross. Only believe. That's all. You don't need money. You don't need to be a big man or do something good. You only, wherever you are sitting in your chair, all you have to do is believe. Just believe. Like that drug addict on that bench, just believed. He had nothing. Just believe. And I'll finish today evening, I'll give you this example. If you're a candle and I'm a candle, if you're a candle and I'm a candle, we are lit. If I as a candle, lit candle, go into a room full of candles, which are also burning, which are also lit, that is fellowship. If I as a candle which is lit go into a dark room, then I'm a witness. The same candle can have fellowship, which is very important, and also preach the gospel. It goes hand in hand, building the church, reaching the lost. Because if we don't build the church and reach the lost, if we're only doing one thing, then we're missing it. We build the church. How do we build the church? We pray for the people in the church. We make our lives available on the altar. Romans 1.12 Romans 12.1 Paul says, I beseech you brothers to lay your lives on the altar. Let's just pray. God of glory, God of grace, God of mercy, God of power, God of life, God of light. We come to you this evening knowing that we have failed miserably. There is nothing good in us, O God. Help us, we believe. We want to encourage, we want to build the church and we want to save the lost. Enable us, O God. Help us. Because it's only in you and through you that we live and have our being. So we pray, O God, as we lay our lives on the altar today evening. Say, use us. Use us for your glory, O God. Use us so that many more would come in from the darkness into the light, into the kingdom, into your everlasting kingdom, as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of the living God. So we bless your name this evening. We thank you for your word, which is pure and holy, and like a double-edged sword. We thank you, O God, for your spirit that dwells in each one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.